Welcome back to the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Barrens. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'd like to think you guys care about me. And when I say care about me, I mean care about my life. And I, I don't want to, like, just... I, I like to talk about real shit that's relatable on this. But today, we're going to talk about me moving. But because I'm me and I'm a comedian at the end of the day and I got to make shit broad and relatable, we're going to talk about moving. And what leads to that? I moved to Brooklyn. By the way, this is recording live from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, my God. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that podcast. (laughs) We're going to get into it. Hope you guys enjoy the show. I know I owe you guys some episodes. Enjoy. So one of the reasons I left the Bay for Brooklyn was honesty. And not brutal honesty, just honesty. By the way, let me say this. I don't believe in brutal honesty. I believe in honesty or being a fucking rude-ass dickhead. Like, if I got a homie that's not getting laid, and he's like, man, I'm just trying so hard, and I just can't get laid. This I just can't shake this cold streak. It's been more than a year, and let's say the reason he can't get laid is because he's boring and he has a bad shape. Like, physically, he's just shaped poorly. Like, not he's fat, not he's chubby, not he's too skinny, not he has no muscle definition. I mean, he's just shaped oddly, and he's boring. Honesty is saying to him and he's like what can i do i would say on the bad shape part i would say i think you need to switch up your wardrobe and get some clothes that complement your physique better may i suggest more black how about more i would say something like that and then on the boring front i would say try to be more enterprising get to their level and i go because you know in comedy if i'm doing a show and i feel they're this type of crowd and even if they're not my type of crowd blah 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 i try to be more enterprising that's what i would say i would be real without going any more than what needed to be said because that is a very very sensitive subject when the homie is saying hey like that's some vulnerable shit when the homie's like man i just want to get laid but damn i'm having a hard time out here now, being a dickhead is saying is, is, is saying something like, you have a bad shape and you're boring. Go to the gym and like better shit. Live a better life. Because you like whack shit. You talk about boring shit. It puts us to sleep. And you, I, I don't know, get surgery or something. You look fucking weird. Like, that's the difference. And I bring that up for the sake of honesty with myself. Because we talk to ourselves. And some of us talk good to ourselves. Some of us talk bad to ourselves. Some of us are in between. Some of us tell, we say, man, you're so awesome. It's so dope you did that. Some of us are like, you fucking loser. You, God, you, do, you need to do what David Goggins does, you fucking pussy. Like, we're all over the place with, with uh, how we talk to ourselves. But I just got real matter of fact with myself. And I talk to myself not I do talk to myself, but I, in this instance, I spoke to myself like I would speak to the homie, just being vulnerable 
and saying, hey, Lyle, I'm having a real difficult time getting laid. That's what I did to myself. And I asked myself, what is the life you want? What's the life you want? Be honest with yourself. You know, I, and I think that's one thing that fucks a lot of comedians up. I think that's one thing that leads a lot of comics to, I mean, based around their career, not shit from before they became comedians, but brings a lot of comics to depression, to stress, is once you reach a certain point, you got to have an honest conversation with yourself. And when I say reach a certain point, I mean, you're in a B plus to C plus scene market. You know, you're in the Bay Area, you're in San Diego, you're in Seattle, you're in Denver, you're in uh, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., some comedy scene like that, and you've reached the top of the food chain, you're able to work regionally, excuse me, other clubs up and down the coast of your region, tri or tri-state area, what have you. And you basically have to have this conversation that is, am I fine with having steady money coming in, being in the blue collar world of showbiz and having consistency in my town? I know the clubs, I know the club owners, I know the bookers, I know the bartenders, and I have these different places I can work and I'm never not going to go for work. Somebody's always going to be reaching out to me, offering me some money to get on a stage and life's good. But there's a ceiling with that. You know, little things like an NBC stand up for diversity will come around. Uh, Comedy Central will do a show like Heart of the City and be like, we want the best three comedians from this town. But that's like a once every, you know, 10, 15 year opportunity where people are just going from like to local town, local scene, plucking the the regional talent. But it's like, you know, like there are things like, oh, this magazine is doing this thing, and I might, and this might be a thing, but you know it's not going to be a thing. You know it's not going to mean shit. And having an honest conversation with yourself about, hey, I'm fine where I'm at. I'm fine if this does not go further. You know? And then the other conversation you have with yourself is, okay, if you're if you want more and you're not going to be happy with that is I need to get uncomfortable. I need to put myself in a place like Los Angeles or New York where I know I'm not going to be booked every day. I know I'm going to have slow times. I know I'm going to have times where I feel like, damn, is the city not fucking with me? But I am competing with the best of the best. I am. And it's like, if I'm not booked, it's, at least it's for a damn good reason. <laughs> you know, at least I'm really knowing I fucking worked my way up from scratch and really made shit happen. You know, and I realized that there is like there is not a salary cap on that. There's not an opportunity cap on that. I can make a lot of things happen for myself. I can make a lot of connections. But then also there's a lot of bad shit that happens with it. You know, I mean, because the thing that isn't really highlighted, highlight, highlighted is the motherfucker that did not make it. 
I talked to plenty of I almost made it so close. And they still think they can make it, but they they know. I also talked to some delusional people that just happen to be around a lot of successful people. Like a lot of, um, I don't know if TK Kirkland were like super regular. Like I know a lot of those, like I was there when anyways. But I had that honest conversation with myself. And the truth is I want more from my, despite all the shit I say on this podcast that could get me canceled. I really do want more for myself. What's funny is we are rewatching the, well, I'm rewatching the wire for like, I'm too embarrassed to say how, how many times I've rewatched the wire, but Ariel's watching the wire for the first time. And it's funny. The first time I've seen the wire, I was probably like 18 years old. And I was like, I saw it uh, on demand where they only had like four episodes on demand with the Xfinity. And then I seen it and then I got the DVD box sets and I was like, I was hooked and I would just kept rewatching it because what the fuck else is there to do at 19, 20 years old? Anyways, so I'm rewatching it and this time with Ariel and I'm like, well, even before that, I was like. Like, okay, so at 18 years old, you see, like, Stringer Bell, McNulty, and, and this this is, and then you can use this for any TV show, and you're like, man, they seem so old, and then you kind of start to relate to characters differently, like, oh, wow, that dude was a piece of shit, oh, wow, he was really wise, wow, I see why she didn't want to go out with him, like, if you rewatch Sopranos or any kind of more sophisticated programming, you you see different stuff, especially if you watched it as a teenager or in your early twenties, you see different things the older you get, which is why HBO programming is some of the fucking best. My point is Idris Elba's Stringer Bell. I'm like, I do the math. I'm like, okay, he was born in 1972. Show came out in 2002. Oh shit. He was fucking my age. When he did the what he was 30 fucking years old when he and I'm fucking 30 now. And what am I doing? Not to like get, get all like compare myself to Idris Elba, because at the same time, it's like it, he's a fucking unicorn. He's like he's a movie star. Like you just look at him and like there are moments in the wire where it's like he's on screen and it's just like, God, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm watching. I feel like, okay, this is like some next level shit, like just the charisma, not even that he's like the best actor ever, but it's just, you know, there are only so many of those people in the world. So I'm not comparing myself to him, but just saying that it's like, oh, wow, he really made shit happen for himself. He really stepped up. He really got uncomfortable and he got this opportunity and he got this fucking iconic role in Stringer Bell and blah, 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 blah. And I say that putting myself in that not to compare myself to him cuz I'm a comic and he's an actor but to put myself in that is you have these conversations with like man I really like to do this and you start doing comedy and, and it's funny like my man Josh Argyle he was who I started doing comedy with back in like 2010 he was saying yeah I remember when you was like 20 years old you would talk about how wanting to move to New York and I'm like I don't 
I do not even remember that shit. But honesty. And honesty, not in a... Because there is like a sort of... You know, there are two lines from eight, from two HBO shows that have stayed with me. One Here's one from The Wire. Life is nothing but the shit that happens between waiting for the moments that never come. Lester Freeman. Now here's a quote from True Detective that I'm paraphrasing from Woody Harrelson. He said, The good times happen and you don't know it. You don't realize they were the good times until you're sitting in a hospital with ass cancer. That's kind of what he said. And I look at like, what's the life I really want to have lived? I remember I was at uh, this one wine shop. I get wine at sometimes. Wine on Piedmont in Oakland. And I told the dude like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm moving to New York and he was like, oh, wow, that's really, you know, I always wanted to move to New York, but uh, I never did, and I've, I've always regretted it. And he's old as fuck. He's like in his, you know, late 60s, give or take. But I don't want to say it's old as fuck, because, like, people keep living longer, so I'm like, you know, like, the six, like being in your 60s doesn't even feel, like, old anymore. Like, it's old, but it's not, you know, I don't know, like, 80s feels old. You know, we'll say, like, 72 is like old anyways i had that like all right i'm trying to have a career conversation i want to do these certain things and that's what led me to that but then even kind of bigger than that is there's a certain point where i feel like Again, not to make everything well, no, no, to 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 bring it back to like me watching The Wire, like eighteen years old, and being like, "Man, I love to play a role like Stringer Bell," and then all of a sudden I'm fucking thirty years old, and I'm like, "Damn, well that went by kind of quick." <laughs> it didn't really. It really felt like it really felt like thirty years, twenty years. Anyways. Is there's a certain point, like when you're 18, 19, you can dream on the job. When you're 22, you can say, yeah, I'm going to get around to it. When you're 25, it's like, all right. But like when once you hit 27, 28, I don't want to say it's now or never, but it really is. Okay, what is the thing you want and what are you doing to get that shit? And I don't mean this in like a again like a, like a motivational goggins kind of like if you don't fucking do what it takes then you're a fucking loser i mean like well, what are you honestly doing day to day like so for me is is moving to ny or la like if you're trying to lose weight at a certain point you got to go Okay, like, how much weight am I trying to, like, what's my goal? And then it's like, are you going to be eating late? Are you going to be drinking on weekends? 
how often are you going to go to the gym? What time are you going to get to go to bed? And you got to like really be honest, like, okay, am I really doing what it takes to lose weight? Like just on a simple level, am I just doing what it takes or build muscle, whatever your physical goal is? Or even having kids, starting a family, like (laughs) to quote another Internet big daddy, like (laughs) to get on my Kevin Samuelson shit. If I'm a high value man (laughs) and I'm like, yo, I want to have a family, I want to have kids. I start going, okay, well, the type of woman I procreate with, what does her ethnicity matter? Does her education and income, blah, 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 and all that other shit matter? If I need to, if I want a black woman, I'm probably going to Atlanta. If I want like a black professional woman, if I want me a Mexican girl, I'm going to Southern California. If I want me a white girl, I'm going pretty much anywhere in the country. Unless you're like a real connoisseur of white woman, you're like, no, don't give me, don't give me the Ohio white lady. Give me the Denver white lady. But you got to be real with yourself about what you want. Like if you want to fucking raise a family and raising a family around your family is important, then you need to move the fuck back home, buy a home. You know, you got to, you got to go the fuck back home. You got to go where, where comfort is of raising a family by family is. You got to go to where you're from or where your significant other is from. I'm trying not to get uh, my bad if I went a little too basic for you. I'm so, uh, My apologies because I try not to be basic. But I'm just saying like wh- for whatever the fuck it is that you want at a certain age, you're like, OK, am I doing what I need to get there? Like I got a friend. And he, he's a former friend, not not because we had a falling out, just because the nigga had a lot going on. His name is Vince. And Vince is a black dude from Southern California that ended up going to UC Berkeley to study theater. And for context, UC Berkeley, obviously one of the best universities in the world, horrible place for the creative arts. Like, I would hoop at UC Berkeley because at the time, like, playing basketball, like, the Cal uh, gym, excuse me, they got, like, eight different basketball courts. It's very nice. And especially at the time, it's like, oh, wow, there are a bunch of attractive attractive women that are my age. Like, this is a pretty fun place to be. So when I was, like, dreaming on the job and then I was eventually doing stand-up and people be like, oh, so like, what are you doing? With, like, I study this. What the fuck are you doing with your life? I'm like, oh, man, you know, I do I do comedy. I do stand up comedy. The people that didn't go to Cal would be like, oh, that's cool. Let me know when you got a show. And like they would come to shows often. And the people that went to Cal, some of them would come to a show. But it would kind of be like I said, like, oh, I'm a magician. Like, wait, wait, Really? But what and then they start going into their analytics, UC Berkeley mind, and they're like, this does not make sense. How many comedian jobs are there? That is not secure. Why would you do that? Well, so in order for that to happen, and then they and you know, they like they're boring. And they have bad shapes. <laughs> but so that is not a place where uh 
being a creative is nurtured. It's kind of looked down upon. It's 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 basically kind of like having, you know how like all those like these like hack uh, first generation comics will be like, my parents go, why can't you be a doctor? You're not being a good Asian. You're not being a good Indian. It's a bunch of like 19, 20, 21 year olds that kind of think like that low key. And even like the Nigerians and some Latinos and the white kids too. So my homie Vince, black dude, he moved, he uh, enrolled at UC Berkeley to study theater when it kind of fucked up his life because he ended up getting a bunch of student debt and he ended, he ended up being stuck in the Bay area and some other invents the homie. So I'm not going to put his business out there because he never crossed me. He just, you know, so I'm not going to put his shit out there, but Vince is a funny dude. Cause Vince was just like, dude, man, like I really fucked up my life by going to UC Berkeley and my nigga like, dude, man, it's I and I'm like, yeah, why the fuck would you go to Cal to study theater? And he's like, I thought it would be a good theater school. And I'm like, you didn't do the research. And he's like, dude, like, how did I like fucking known that shit, man? <laughs> I love doing impersonations of people on here. But the point is, he went to a place that made no sense to do. And it sucks because, I mean, the way, the way he tells it is basically he made a decision as an 18 year old that affected him up until being like a 28, 29 year old. The last I spoke to him. But a part of me also wonders like, did he kind of go to Cal to study theater? Cause he thought it would be a little easier because he knows it's not NYU, he knows it's not USC, and it's like, oh, I'm gonna be like the, that's gonna be my thing, I'm gonna be like the actor nigga on campus, I'm gonna get bitches that way, I don't know, I kinda wonder that, <laughs> but the bottom line is, and the dude would, he would, and we, we just drifted apart, basically, because he just had, like, a lot of shit going on, I'm like, dude, you got, you got a lot of your, uh, your own life you need to figure out, if uh, we going to kick it. But the point is, good guy, though. Good heart. The point is, though, this dude doing all this shit. And it's like, you're not, like, if what you want to be is an actor, it's not even about, like, moving to L.A. or moving to New York. or. But it's like, if you just want to study acting, you're not really doing what you should do to study. Like, nigga, go to ATC in San Francisco, you know? I don't know. Enough showbiz people don't do what the fuck they're supposed to talk. My point is, at a certain point, you just gotta be real. Like, alright, was... And, like, fine with it. Like, the same thing I said with the weight thing, like, if you just wanna, like, look good in a t-shirt, then, like, I don't know, like, you know, run two miles three times a week, have enough salads throughout the week, you know, chill on rice and bread, and then fucking go wild on the weekends and <laughs> maybe like one other day throughout the week. We're like, yeah, fuck it off. I'll do whatever. Like if you just want to look good in a t-shirt, you know, and be real, like, Hey, all I want to do is just look good in a t-shirt and that's cool. Cause I don't like, I don't want to sound like it's David Goggins or bust. 
you know, I don't want to sound like it's like if you don't do 500 push-ups and 500 sit-ups and run a mile in between, you're a fucking pussy and nothing you work for will ever happen. I'm not trying to sound like that. I'm not trying to sound like that. I'm just saying that, you know, being real about what you want will make a lot of shit easier because then once you're real about what you want then the next headache is all right getting to the shit but i think a lot of people don't even get to the this is what the fuck i want or at least in my world i feel like i'm around a lot of bullshit in my world like i know dude he started he started comedy with a bunch of guys that ended up being quite successful. They had TV credits, nationally touring. They've all been on Netflix, County Central, or done a set or done a set on late night TV. And this friend is like just really beats himself up about the fact that he has not done what they have when he started with them and they would hit open mics together. The other thing is he fucking quits stand up all the time and he makes really, really good fucking money in his day job. And he goes, he's like, I'm back. I'm really back. And then it's like, oh, man, I got to take a break. I got this other shit going on. And like, the truth is like, dude, just be honest with yourself. Like, be honest with yourself. Like you fucking like you like having the pussy when you want it, but you don't want to wife the bitch. And it's fine if you don't want to wife the bitch, but be honest about not wifing the bitch because it save you a lot of headaches. It save you a lot of guilt. It save you a lot of you talking bad to yourself in your own head. It would save you a lot of shit if you just said, you know what? Money's more important to me. Having f- fun and doing whatever the fuck I want is more important to me than running around doing all these spots begging motherfuckers for stage time blah 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 all the shit we go through with stand-ups i'd rather just have a steady check do it have more freedom financially and that's not what the fuck i want to do but still kind of do stand-up when i want to do it and just accept that certain limitations come from this decision there it is but i i know Once you make that decision, how do you live with it? How do you live with that decision? I don't know. I just fucking made it. (laughs) No, you know what it is, is you live with it long enough. You wear it long enough and you see how it feels. Like for me, I was in L.A. I was living in L.A. and I was half living in LA and going to the Bay Area back and forth and doing all these weird gigs for money, these shitty gigs for money, not weird, shitty and weird. And I hit a wall and I was like, you know what? I need to go to the Bay Area. I need to get my mind right. I need to get my money up, blah, 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 blah. And it was great. Had some great women in my life, met Ariel, and I got to live a kind of like regular life. Like I ran my show, go on the road, go on vacation. It was a real, real, true blue-collar showbiz life. It was great. But it wasn't enough. 
And I truly, truly was not content living like that. Because I said, if I'm living like that, I might as well fucking quit this blue collar showbiz shit and get me a real ass, you know, career job (laughs) and do that shit. If I'm like, if I'm it's like, well, you want to live off your creativity, but then you want to do this. And it's like, and I'm not saying no, pick one or the other. I'm saying for me, it came to the point of, it came to the point of, let me, are you content or not? And then if you're content or not, it can lead to you making certain decisions that you normally would or would not make. So, that's how I say. You got to live with it a minute, see how it feels, wear it for a few years, and then you can make a change. But I would say it's better living having known than not known. And that is honesty. In the past few years, I've built a wall around myself, which is not good for a guy like me. Building a wall is great if you're a man with a lot of power if you a man under attack, if you a motherfucker under siege, building a wall is great. Building a wall is not good for artists. It's not good for people that like to socialize. It's not good for people that like to go out. And for me, the reason I built it was year by year, interaction after interaction, it would really be made clear to me how fucking small the Bay Area was. I'm going to tell a few stories to illustrate this point. Here's a little anecdote. You guys know I talk about Sean on the podcast. Yeah, nigga. Okay, okay, all right, nigga. So one time Sean wanted to go to the club. He was like, all right, nigga, okay. Lyle's in charge of figuring out the club, nigga. Okay, because Lyle's that nigga, all right? I added that part. <laughs> and I said, man, fuck it. Let's go to Era, man. It's easy. And he was like, oh, no, nigga, okay. I don't like going out in Oakland, nigga. And I was like, why not? <laughs> and Sean says, okay, because when I'm in San Francisco, I can feel like a tourist, okay? When I'm in Oakland, nigga, Okay, I feel like everybody knows each other, and that doesn't get my dick hard, nigga. And we went to San Francisco. Good times. My point being, though, is how, how, uh, like, we're not even, like, six degrees removed from each other in the Bay Area. It's, like, one person away. It's kind of like watching, like, The Simpsons or Family Guy, and you're like... Okay, yeah, it's a lot of characters on the show, but then, like, if you watch the show where somebody put up, like, a uh, uh, image of all the characters on the show, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that one. I know that one. I know that one. I know that one. I can't remember their name exactly, but I kind of know how they talk. That's what the Bay Area is. And it's funny, because, like, before getting ready to move, obviously you have those, like, is this the right decision? Should I be doing this? Like you have those questions. And for me, it I had more and more of those, God damn, everybody know everybody moments that made me feel like, okay, yeah, I'm glad I'm leaving. First was, um, this was right before I left. And this was my second to last show. And it was this cool dude who came to the show, brought his girl, and then after the show, we're having drinks, and it was like, uh, 
one thing I don't do is I don't call people real niggas just because I hit it off with them. And I could tell that, you know, we may be cut from similar cloths, you know, I'm still because I'm like, nah, I need to I need to know you a few years before like I can just say like, oh, that's a real nigga right there. But I'm going to say me and this dude. He's a uh, like thirty year old hood nigga, this bougie, and had like a uh, worldly taste. And Ariel and his girl were hitting it off. It was a great time. My homie Blake was there, and he was t- saying like, "Yeah, man, it's, it's good. You got you a a childhood white friend like that. I had a childhood white friend myself." And he was like, you know, talking, and we, it was like just good bonding. It was like what you would think everything would be after uh being cooped up in the house and the pandemic and all that shit it's like okay these are the moments that remind you why we're out so we exchange info and i see that uh this one chick like follows him that we both know i'm like oh how you know her and he says nigga how you know her and i'm like i mean you know you know He's like, yeah, that's my sister. And I'm like, okay, word. And everyone's like, ooh, Lyle. Ooh, that's his sister. I'm like, calm down, niggas. Nothing happened. I tried, but nothing happened. And he's like, he's, it, and it was cool, though, because it was like, you know, I, when I courted her, which is like a million years ago, when, when I did go about it, I was very gentlemanly like. She was very ladylike and saying, I'm seeing somebody, it's not happening. And so it was all good. But let that be a situation where she could have took something the wrong way. I could have took something the wrong way or whatever. And it'd be it'd be some shit. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, God, everybody fucking knows each other. Let's rewind two weeks before that. I am at a house party. And this one girl comes up to me. No, it, was, it wasn't just a house party. It was a fucking um, house party makes it sound so primitive. I was at a a housewarming party for some friends that uh, had moved back had moved back to the Bay Area from New York actually, and they just bought a house. Congrats, they're listeners, and they bought a house. And I, I'm not going to say their name because I'm there's some people I need to protect when uh when telling this. This girl comes up to me and she's like, "Oh, you're a comedian," and obviously. I never announce I'm a comedian when I enter a room. Somebody else does it for me. And I really fucking wish they would stop. But <laughs> she's like, oh, oh, so you a comedian? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, so do you know, and we're, we're going to protect some people. I'm going to say um, Kelly Stevens. She's like, oh, do you know Kelly Stevens? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 Kelly, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, yeah, we used to date. And I said, oh. You, the motherfucker Kelly Stevens, has been posting about. And she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's what's up. Nice to meet you. And then she's like, yeah, so... And she just starts talking much of shit about Kelly Stevens. She's like, you know, Kelly Stevens, he wouldn't pay rent. Kelly Stevens wouldn't pay for groceries. Kelly Stevens wouldn't clean up after Kelly Stevens' self. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that is a great fake name. So she's talking all this shit, and in my head, I'm thinking, like, Kelly Stevens should be very happy that this information is being relayed to a real nigga. Okay, so I have no interest in telling anybody about the shit she's 
telling me, and the only reason I'm telling you the podcast is to illustrate a point about how fucking small shit is. But she's saying like all this stuff where we're like, if me and Kelly Stevens went to war, like I'd have some ammunition, you know, she's telling me this stuff where it's like, yo, you are really fucking with the dudes, you know, reputation. And it wasn't nothing bad. Like she didn't, I, well, I don't want to say bad, but like, it wasn't nothing like, you know, she was accusing him of nothing like assault or, you know, sexual abuse or physical abuse or verbal abuse. It was just like he was a bum ass nigga. That's like what she, you know. And honestly, through barrier context, some people would be like, oh, man, Kelly Stevens is a deadbeat. But then through other but through like a real Bay Area, Oakland context, some people like, hell yeah, Kelly Stevens, that's how you do a bitch, my nigga. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, you ain't pay for shit. Good for you, Kelly Stevens. But then she says some stuff about him crying that like wasn't cool and some other stuff. And how it got like a little stalkerish, but that's not the point. The point is, it's like, I shouldn't even know shit like that. I think about like how many like random motherfuckers in the Bay Area where like I don't even really know them that well, but I know like very intimate kind of details about their life or their trials and tribulations. And I'm just like, I shouldn't fucking know that. Then that takes me to a thing that happened. Let's rewind even further back. Let's rewind to 2013. So 2013, I'm friends with this one dude. And it was one of those friendships that I didn't seek out. The motherfucker sought me out and was just really aggressive about it. And when I was younger, I was just kind of like, all right, I'll just kind of hang with anybody if you fucking hit me up enough, I'd be like, yeah, 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 whatever. I I just like being out the house. And it was this nigga named A.B. And A.B. was this biracial, half-black, half-white grad student at UC Berkeley. I met him through playing basketball. And he fucking, how do I put this? Well, I mean, in short, we basically, uh, I ended our friendship because he had too many white boy tendencies and by that i mean like he had like the worst like he was very abrasive he's very obnoxious like he was the type of a motherfucker where like if you said to him like hey, hey yo chill 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 yo chill he wouldn't just be like all right my bad he'd be like why do i need to chill man you know come on like all this chill we need to be us as humans man chilling is limiting us man like that's that was nigga ab Real fucking character. So, and I'm not trying, and I'm not trying to throw AB under the bus because he never like really did anything bad to me. He just was like, he would just cut from a different cloth, and I just couldn't be around that type of shit. But so AB being like his fucking abrasive self is a girl I'm seeing, and he's asking me all types of questions about her, and he's like, "Well, what's her Facebook?" And I'm like, "Man, I'm not trying to look at that." Cause me, I'm the type of guy where I'm like, look, if you you can find something on, especially especially early on when you're seeing somebody, especially the way social media was like back then, and like you know, 
the the early 2010s, you could find some shit to piss yourself off with. You could find something that a motherfucker wrote on somebody's wall, some likes, pictures from a time. You could like work yourself up if you want to. And I was like, I know I can work myself up. So I'm just not going to look at that shit. And then, you know, wait, you know, be, be grown about it. So AB's like, no, man, we should see what's on a profile, man. And for context, AB is like, like eight, nine years older than me. So AB's like looking through his shit. And then he's like, man, who is this guy? And he's like cracking jokes about the dude. And again, I'm, I'm going to leave that nigga's name, name alone because he never did anything. He, all he did was just fuck my ex-girlfriend before me. <laughs> and he's like all like studying his, his fucking profile. And he's like, man, so it looks like he was a wrestler. I'm like, man, she did tell me about fucking a nigga that was a wrestler. <laughs> and, then she, and then he's like, yeah, he's got those cauliflower ears. And then he started like just looking at dude's profile and just laughing his ass off. And we were smoking weed and like... Before, I was like a, a, a nigga with composure at the time. Then by then, I was like a paranoid 22-year-old nigga with an older girlfriend or an older girl that he was singing. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What the, and then he, he's, he's like, relax, Lyle, relax, man. I'm like, no, nigga, you want to take me here? Now we fucking here. Okay, listen, man. If you're a person of color in the Bay Area that's about something, the Bay Area is going to be a real small place, man. And I and that's something. This state of everything that happened after it's like I don't know. We we, we got it. it. Wasn't no big thing, but that part stayed with me. The Bay Area is a real small place if you're a person of color that's about something. You know that was the other reason I had to stop being friends with that nigga is because you a nigga and you saying person of color. It's like no, say black motherfucker, say Mexican. It's like person of color. Get the fuck out of here. Well, what do you want me to say, man? <laughs> I love doing impressions of people that are not famous, but I do them really well. But that is something that made me go, you know what? I want to get the fuck out of here because I really do enjoy a sense of anonymity in my day-to-day -day life, especially in my entertain entertainment nightlife. And not even me, like, as a comedian. Like, I don't want anybody to know who I am, but I want to be successful. Because I realize how fucking stupid that sounds. But I mean in the sense of... I like to meet some people, and there's nobody we know in common. Now, if I'm doing dirt, if I'm doing street shit, if I'm selling drugs, if I'm doing some shit I shouldn't be doing... I'd like for us to have some of the same people in common, but like social situations, oh hell no! Like I, I, I appreciate some clean slates. I appreciate some. Oh, you don't know this motherfucker, but they da, da, da. comedy, stand up comedy. It's you know, and that may be because I am in the world of stand up comedy, because stand up comedy makes the world a lot smaller. Like we, I mean, there are thirsty ass comics that would just follow anybody uh friend request anybody and it's like man you don't even know that scene but yeah you damn near have like you know half a fucking denver comedy scene on your facebook but i'm saying just within comedy shit's already kind of small the world's a lot smaller 
So for me, when it kind of comes to my everyday shit and how I like to socialize, I like for there to me be more of a a distance between that. Like, I don't want to just feel like the world is so fucking because then when the world feels small, I mean, especially for me, the way that I like to to do my art, the way I like to talk my shit. I like having a broad range, a broad range of perspectives. That's what's good for me. So, yeah, that's one reason I had to get away from that shit. Hey, Ariel, how's it going? Hey, good. So we made it to New York for everybody asking, like, are you bringing her with you? Yes, I am. She's here with me. <laughs> I'm bringing him with me. Okay. So big picture wise, before we get in our shit, big picture wise, why is everybody moving right now? Everybody our age, like I feel like every millennial that we know, they're going to like they've either moved somewhere, and this is whether they're single, taken, engaged, married. Everybody's kind of moving yeah, or I, buying a house. I feel like it's two things. Like, okay, so COVID, obviously, like you know, people either lost money or they made a lot more money during COVID. Like, you either lost money because you lost work. Or you gain money because you're working from home and you're not spending on as many things, you know? That's true. So, like, and then also people are looking around their house like, this? This is it? That's what I got? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think with quarantine, you did have people just uh, reflecting in the last, like, five to six months of their life. Like, is, is this what I'm doing? Was I really happy? now's the time for me to really make a change, especially now, like, with, just with all that time to think. I think some people got proactive about it. Yeah, I think it's that. And also, like, um, I think people are also, like, excited. Like, people have probably been kicking around ideas of, like, and I'm actually speaking for me, of, like, I want to move at some point, but it's never, like, convenient, you know? And, like, with a lot of the lifestyle changes that COVID made, like, work from home, work remote, um, like those of us who can work from home are like, well, I really can kind of live anywhere. Like, is this really what I want to be doing? And this like, what I want to be around. And then for those people who who didn't get to work remote, but they're like, like Lyle working in like um, live performance, things like that. It is like, okay, well, things are changing regardless. So let me just take a chance on a new place. That's what it is for me. It's like, all right, well, now's the time. I'm also like just everything lining up kind of being perfect like oh yeah i'm not spending as much money during a uh, pandemic quarantine lockdown oh yeah i'm have had time to reflect oh shit i did turn 30 during all this happening i am thinking about what i want to be doing at 35 and 40 and and so on so for me it was it was like a this is just the time yeah yeah and like um i i also feel like people are like okay rents went like way down right so people are like well I could either pay the same amount for better or pay less for the same. I'm going to do that. And then people like us who are like looking at new cities, I think it is really just like that mindset shift of reflection on like, like we had nothing to do but sit and think and watch HBO, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we watch a lot of dramas set in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to New York, what's like the... Because, I mean, New York is one of those places where I feel like you kind of already know what it's like to live there, even if you've never been there. Not even like you not like you know what it's like, 
but they're a bunch of different versions of New York. What's like, cause like there've been so many TVs and movie shows. What's like the TV show or the movie of New York where you're like, Oh yeah, that's New York. Okay. So this is kind of funny, but like the first time I ever visited New York, all I could think about, I was like amazed. Cause I was like, Oh my God, it's the place I've seen in law and order SVU. I was like, that is the iconic New York show that I associate with this location. You know what I'm saying? That's funny. I remember going to Harlem and for the first time in like 2013, and I saw like Morningside Projects, and I'm like, I've heard that in a Mace song, and then I just <laughs> went and walked over there, and it's like, okay, I'm doing that because it's like it's New York and it's Harlem, and it's like in my mind, it's like this sort of like. I don't know, like a uh, uh, w- w- uh, nigga historical landmark, but I'm like, okay, like if I was in like fucking San Francisco, I wouldn't just go walk to the projects. So like, I if I was in <laughs> go to Acorn, <laughs> yeah, like if I or like L.A., like if I saw like Jordan Jordan Downs housing, like in fucking Watts, I wouldn't just walk there. Like I'd be like, fuck that. <laughs> but there's something about New York where you're like. Oh, this is acceptable. It's acceptable to just go up to Marcy Project. It's so funny you say that because um, there was someone, I forget who it was, someone we were talking to at a show um, had mm. moved back from New York during COVID. And I was like, oh, so what part of New York did you live in? And he's like, basically just up the street from the Marcy Projects. And I'm like, that's not a regular landmark. You could just say Brooklyn. <laughs> I think it is a landmark, Marcy. Okay, to, to people who listen to Jay-Z and no one else. Well, okay, one, I think a lot of people listen to Jay-Z. And two, I think it's kind of like, I don't know. I can't think of like like a a great pop culture equivalent. But I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like as close as you'll get to like Little Italy. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like Little Italy, Chinatown. Marcy Projects. Yeah, yeah. Harlem, but. Well, I mean, Harlem's like a neighborhood, whereas yeah. Marcy Projects is like a kind of like a landmark in Brooklyn, right. whereas Harlem's like a whole, you know, right? Chinatown, Little Italy, yeah, yeah, but like Chinatown, Little Italy, Little Italy, Marcy Projects, it's like that's. I mean, Marcy hasn't surpassed Chinatown, Chinatown or Little Italy, and I don't think it ever will. Right. But it's like a few notches below that. Right. But I mean, those are two neighborhoods too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that True. like. Okay, wait, let me ask you, what was, what's, like, your iconic New York, like, show or movie? Uh, well, for me, like, when I first came, it was, like, just, like, a lot of rap music in my head, like, Jay, Big, Nas, mm. and stuff like that. But then after, like, but just for, like, on screen, I would say, okay, it was set in New Jersey, but The Sopranos, because, like, they I'm go so there a lot. <laughs> so with you. We landed in Newark, and I was like, I just had like, woke up this morning, got myself a gun. I had that in my head like the entire time we were in traffic trying to get into New York. I was thinking about when Furio came back from Italy, and then he's just like rolling through there, and it's like, oh shit. And like, and like you look at Jersey, and you see like, I can see why Phil Leotardo thought this place was a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think about like the scenes with Johnny Sack and Phil Leotardo. I think about Goodfellas. I think about like a lot of mob movies. And then I would say I think about um, I don't like New Jack City, like Mm. just like a lot of the 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 iconic '90s crime movies. I think about that with New York. And then to to an extent, 
a more recent because I think like the last really like great piece of art of, of film cinema TV out of uh, present day New York is the night of. Oh yeah. See, I think that I was a, a little embarrassed to say this, but I, I'll have to be honest because it is a podcast. Yeah. Um, I do think of girls when I think about New York. That that's fine. Yeah. That's especially because we're in Brooklyn, so like that's kind of like, you know. Is it also because you barely left the apartment like them? <laughs> I'm rusting. Every every place on that fucking shows. Like I just thought about like getting the script. Like if I'm an actor on the show and like getting well, I wouldn't be on the show because I'm black. But I thought about yeah, they don't they don't like that. <laughs> Shots fired at Lena Coonan. You need to have like a, a nose ring to get on the show, right? Yeah. So she made out with Donald Glover for an episode. You're lucky her. Um. No, but I was just thinking, like, man, there's so many fucking interiors on that show. But yeah, girls, that's another good example. But yeah, they're like, I mean, that's the other thing that's fun when, when I was like, you Broad get City. you get different New Yorks, uh, depending on what you and just like I'm sure you move here, you could live in different versions of New York. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's the thing with like with cities because I feel like you live in like L.A. There's probably like maybe like I don't know, like 15 different L.A.s you could live. Yeah. LA is like very confounding to me. Like each neighborhood is like its own thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody's been asking me like, why not LA? I, I had uh Gary Anderson was asking me, he's like, but you have the most connections in LA. I'm like, yeah, true. But it's like, I like the, but they don't do shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ballpark, but I mean, yeah, it's that, um, so, so reason for me, and and I, let's tell them why we said no to LA without saying traffic, because traffic is like just really easy, and we can the people. No. <laughs> <laughs> for me, okay, for me, the reason not LA is just like I just like to work, like I just like to be on stage. I like to move from one spot to another. I don't like to be waiting, and obviously, like traffic is part of the waiting. But also part of the waiting is going from one side of town to another side of town. So it's like, okay, you got this audition in Santa Monica. And then you got this show in Burbank. And then you're trying to show face at this club in West Hollywood. And then you fucking, and then you go home to some places, not where, not near any of those. And it's just like, God, it's just a lot. It's a lot of fucking zigzagging. Yeah, I would say for me. LA is just like not my thing. Like, like this, like the I, I say the people as a joke, but also kind of seriously because it's like there's just like a lot of like very like you you know it's LA. How do I put it? I mean, I'm from LA, so it's like I'm like I, I don't even want to say bias in this, yeah. but it's like I'm like well, no, I know like the real people the there. People. Yeah. Okay. the re- The way that I knew LA people was more from like Jewish summer camp. And, like, I felt like they were kind of what I thought L.A. people would be like, if that makes sense. What were they like? Like, just very, like, image-obsessed to the to the point where they don't really – they're not really, like, like friendly. No, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. No, that exists. But, yeah. I mean – But I think it does depend, like, you said there's 15 L.A.s. So, I was experiencing one of 15. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's like – I mean, I don't know. I, I guess, like, the version of that, it would be – I mean, I don't. I, I'm no. I'm not going to do no fucking LA Bay Area version shit. Like, I'm not, 
we're, we're more interesting than that. What I'm saying is, <laughs> yes, we are. Good job. <laughs> what I'm what I, what I'm saying though is, it's like yeah, like there's you know people that move there. There's like cornball weirdos that move to B League and showbiz. I mean, really, what it comes down to me is like L.A. comedy. Like you know, I would move to L.A. if I didn't have to exist there as a comedian. <laughs> Like if I existed in like a, as like a guy that was just living or doing some other shit, I'd be fine with it. But I just don't like the amount of talking, the listening, and like these niggas, they just really be talking. I was at a, a show, Santa Barbara. It was like this comic I knew from LA, cool dude. But he he told us like a fifteen minute audition story, and we were just like really drained at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> like like we felt like we, we had to like take a test. On like a hot day. Remember you would take a test on a hot day in a classroom? Yes. That's what it felt like him describing like putting on like a green uh, suit and doing a dance. I do it. And the casting director, I'm like, nigga, we don't. Don't give a shit. For me, like I was a little bit worried that in L.A., even though I know there's more things kind of happening in L.A. than the Bay Area, I was already be kind of similar in that since things are so spread out, it's like you're never really there, you know? You're just kind of like in your neighborhood at your apartment. Especially you know? if you suffer from FOMO, then LA can just kind of yeah. might drive you and a little you know, crazy. I am a chronic FOMO sufferer. You are a chronic FOMO sufferer. So yeah, I, I I could see you having some issue with that. Exactly. So that's why not LA. Yeah, I like I, I also like okay for because I don't want to stay on like how come you didn't move to like one, I I've, I've done it. Uh two, I like that New York is a one stop shop. So Whatever you want to do in entertainment, you could do in New York. If you want to be a writer, if you want to be a stand-up comic, if you want to be an actor, if you want to be a recording artist, if you want to be off-Broadway. By the way, this is a New York podcast. You're going to hear <laughs> horns and sirens and shit now. This this is a new like, thing. Hey, New York, it's a city. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, Statue of Liberty told me to go fuck a pizza. <laughs> But whatever you want to do in showbiz and entertainment, you could do it in New York. Whereas in LA, it's kind of like, I right, you want to do TV, you want to act. It's kind of where it stops. Mm, yeah. I mean, like obviously, there's like music and and acting, and like that's that's kind of it. And like, I don't want to like be auditioning for commercials all the time. I don't like. I don't want to be on fucking Blackish. I mean, what? Well, I'm lying. Like my mom would love that. <laughs> but it's not like I'm like, oh, I want to be on Blackish so bad. Like, no, I want to be in like a, a HBO drama where like I can be in a scene with Michael K. Williams. You know, like that's the shit I want. Like, I want to be yes. put me next to Michael Imperioli. You bring Michael K. Williams to justice <laughs> <laughs> as a cop <laughs> in HBO show. God, I got to play the cop. All right. Like, <laughs> I think you can do it. It's acting well. <laughs> but that's the type of shit that, that like, I I want for my career. And I want to, like, just really be a stand-up. And so, anyway, so, yeah, that's why there and uh, that's why New York and not L.A. Next thing I want to ask you, Ariel. Do you think you need to move in order to be a well-rounded person? Like, do you need to move far away from your home in order to be well-rounded? Because this is something that I've been thinking about a bit. I consider myself a well-rounded person, even though I've just lived in the Bay Area and Los Angeles up until this point. But there's this thing with, uh, especially us millennials, that consider ourselves 
on the more enlightened side, <laughs> we complain a lot about gentrification, especially in places that we're from. But we complain about these people that come, especially places that have had uh, a rich history through music, food, art, uh with the significant black Latino population and then off white population, like Jewish, Italian, Greek, and so on. And we complain about the shit changing, but then at, the, at one hand we go, cause I think there is this sort of kind of hypocritical thing that people like us do where we'll be like, Oh, you've never left your town. That's why you think the way you do. That's why this is the way that is. But at the same time, we want authentic shit, but it's like, well, we got to have people the fuckings have stayed here all their lives. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is a great paradox. I think, like, okay, to answer your first question, which is, like, you need to move away from home to be well-rounded, I think that for most people, it definitely helps because I don't think a lot of people are very curious about, like, how other people live. Like, okay, I'll give an example. Like, how many people, when we said that we were moving to New York, like, how many times did people say, oh, it's going to be cold? <laughs> it's like fucking duh <laughs> like okay and there's like millions of people who live there like i think we'll be fine you yeah know it's, gonna, it's gonna be smoke choking you to death this summer yes <laughs> coming from wine country oh, in the santa cruz forest yeah like everyone on the east coast earthquakes it's like okay you're just gonna glob onto like the main thing that might cause like discomfort and warn about that those people i think like should like not should, but like they might benefit from being living somewhere else and like understanding like what it's like to live somewhere else. And they, or they might just not be that well-rounded or like curious about other places. I think that like, you don't necessarily have to move. Like I consider you pretty well-rounded. I consider my mom well-rounded and like, just like, I know people that we know are well-rounded, but they at least have curiosity to bare minimum travel other places. Now, as for the gentrification piece, I think that is really like, it's definitely an important thing to think about because gentrification isn't just caused by people moving. It's also caused by like not having enough housing for people, you know, like if there was enough housing for everyone to live in and affordable and everything, then people could move anywhere. This is know? true. So, so it's partly on the gentrifiers for coming in and assuming that like they own the place and, Oh, I'm going to clean this place up. That kind of thing. Like that's definitely on the gentrifiers, but it's also on like cities to like make themselves livable for, for poor people essentially. So I don't know. I guess it's complicated. Yeah. I mean, I would just kind of more so speaking to the fact that I do uh, the paradox of, cause I mean like gentrification, that's just a whole, whole own, uh, you know, branch to get into. Right. And I don't want to get into that this episode, but just just the fact, though, on a more surface level, there's this kind of thing of people like us where it's like, yeah, you would say some shit like that because you uh, yeah. blank from blank. Exactly. And you're from San Jose and you've never left. Right, right, fuck right. San Jose. <laughs> I, I, this, we've said fuck San Jose a lot on this podcast and I stand by that still. <laughs> But we have we have that thing about like okay somebody from San Jose like okay you super base and then they and they can move somewhere and be like yeah we well, still a motherfucker from San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> you can't wipe the San Jose off of you. You really can't. It's such a, like a basic place, but but we're at, like at the same time it's like we we still want like a you know rich cultural experience when we visit a place. I don't know. That's just something no, that's that something I to think, think about. about. I think like the people that I know like. 
who I'm friends with, like I have one close friend who hasn't ever left the Bay Area, um, but she does like travel and like she's interested in different experiences. She's been to different countries and like I definitely consider her well-rounded and I've asked her like, would you ever want to live outside the Bay Area? And she was like, not really. So like, yeah, well-rounded is one thing, but I think there is like a good overlap of people who don't leave their hometowns and aren't well-rounded. Yeah, and I just want to make it clear, like, for Lyle Barron's, like, I have no issue with people that don't leave their hometown. Like, I don't think, I don't look at you like, I don't look like, oh, you live with your parents and you're 40. Like, I don't, I I don't think like that. Because I do think it is better for some people to be close to home, especially if you want to have a family and you want to raise a family Mm -hmm. around other family. Like, that makes sense. And there's like all sorts of reasons people would need to stay around family. Like if you have like a sick parent or a sick sibling who's just like needs extra support, you know? And let me just say this. I, I, I've i dated quite a few girls. That, like girls that have wanderlust are like really fucking annoying. <laughs> and like just kind of often bad people. Yeah. And they try to frame their, I live in new places and discover new things. They try to like, I'm curious. curious. And it's like. No, you just kind of have ADD and you have no loyalty and you don't like really <laughs> respect people's time. And you just kind of go like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there and do what the fuck I want to do. But you don't really. And maybe you're scared of commitment. I don't know. But, you know, that's. I think it really just comes down to respect, like in either scenario. Like, are you being treat? Are you treating people respectfully when you're at home? Like, because there are people who stay in their hometown. And they're just like a fucking bum. And there's people who stay in their hometown and they're like. No, I'm like building my life here. I'm like, you know, and they contribute. They contribute, and that's like res- part of respecting the place they're living. And then there are people who move to other places, like gentrifiers, and don't respect it at all. Don't respect anything that came before them that made it a desirable place to live. And they're pieces of shit too. So yeah, it's hard to just put like a a blanket on it as being like one thing, but you know is. I, I think it was a good thing to unpack, though. I agree. Especially as we live here, like, we're going to have to, like, kind of check ourselves and monitor ourselves to make sure we're not, you know, being the kind of person that we would have looked down on moving to the Bay Area. Yo, and that's, like, the one thing I'm not looking forward to because, <laughs> like, within a place like the Bay Area, I was just so maybe overly comfortable, but just, like, flashing on a gentrifier or somebody that wasn't <laughs> from, from there and then was just so fucking set in their little bullshit techie always been an introvert because even like the people that like are and we're gonna talk about um uh bay area shit later so i don't want to step on it but i mean like the type of industry that is in the bay area that does have all these transplants coming in it attracts a certain type of person with a certain type of personality and it's often going to be somebody that probably grew up as a as an introvert then through having money some success moving around they kind of became an extrovert but at the same time, they're a fucking idiot because they're <laughs> just now getting used to opening their mouth and talking. And a lot of what's coming out of their mouth is stupid shit. Whereas somebody like me, at the age of like, let's say 15, 16, I had big homies to tell me to shut the fuck up. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Nigga, are you serious? You really going to fix your mouth to say that bullshit? Hold up. Did you really just ask that nigga that? And so then by the time... I'm like 23 years old. I'm like, okay, cool. I kind of know. I know how to act. I know, you know, I know protocol. Whereas with them, they never had that. So important. 
So, okay, we're back after a little brief thunderstorm. So, Ario is the reason we kind of moved here. Because, I mean, I'm somebody where maybe it's because I have like enough Irish in uh, my ancestry. I could just kind of be miserable for the rest of my life in the situation. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Oh, fuck it. Like, there's just that thing in my DNA where I can just like kind of just continue like just chipping away and then like i'm i'm working hard but i'm not working smart i don't know how to put it but it's like basically for me okay the thing with this move was i was like all right i'm 30 years old what the fuck am i really in show business for am i in showbiz and like the blue collar level showbiz at that because it's like all right i'm putting on shows and i'm going to these cities some of these cities that i do want to go to but i'm doing these like b level comedy clubs that are not, not very enjoyable to do or these casinos where you have a lot of bullshit along the way where it's like like one casino where it's like um you gotta have dinner with the booker's wife oh my god because what happened was because he's on the road right and he's been able to book a bunch of gigs i think it's because he books that casino then a bunch of comics are like i can hook you up here here and then boom now he's a working comic along with having a fucking profitable casino giggy books but then i think and my theory what happened with this and i use this as an example not to talk shit but just as an example of this is the type of shit that happens a lot in comedy on the blue collar level especially is she was complaining like i don't have and he's like no i need you to run this shit okay no no so then you go out to dinner with them but then make it so they can't eat unless because you have the vouchers and it was some weird fucking reason why we had to eat dinner with her that's really fucking weird yeah and it's like the the, the small talk was it, it, it was an enjoyable experience but she wasn't like there wasn't anything bad with her but it was like we are different <laughs> <laughs> so um so anyways, so like that's the type of shit I deal with. And then I'm like, okay, I'm dealing with that and like the bullshit and running shows and everything that's around that. And it's like, is our life going to be all right? Well, then we go to wine country and then we go to Hawaii and then we do these little trips and then it's back to the grind. It's like, is that not to say that like I think, oh, I'm going to move to New York in like five years. I'm going to be like a fucking millionaire. But just saying is like, is that the life I want, what There's I was doing. There's a salary cap in the Bay Area. There's a salary cap in the Bay Area within entertainment, and I don't want the fucking cap. Yeah. I don't want it. No cap. Yes. I don't want that shit. So that's what it was for, that's what it was for me from, from a, a, a career standpoint, and then just realizing, like, I'm not really, like, I'm able to, like, book shit because I'm, like, legitimately, I'm undeniably funny, and I'm worked hard for it. But they rather have like a pussy tech nigga or like a fucking mm -hmm. bisexual white lady talk about how hard it is being a white woman. Like they would like that's what the Bay Area would rather have. That's what the SF Chronicle and the SF Gate and all them niggas would rather put in their papers. And as much as I do want to call them bitch ass niggas for it, and they are and they're hypocrites and they're passive aggressive racist and all that other shit. I get it. That's what the fuck. That's what the Bay Area is. They also like black people who only play video games. <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> or are gay like, he's not he grew up in a place where no one understood him that's what they're favorite in. yeah and it's like and and i get that and it was like when we we're at the party michael's like i mean this move makes sense because shout out michael and Marisol. 
But and Michael and this is my Michael impression. They listen, by the way. So Michael, this is my impression of you. Well, yeah, this makes sense because you do very politically incorrect comedy in a very politically correct place. <laughs> so I'm really happy for you with this move. <laughs> <laughs> But so anyway, so that's what made me say, like, fuck it, let's go. Ariel, you've been... We've both been to New York just three times before this, I think. Yeah. Same amount. Yeah. What made you say, all right, fuck it, we're doing this? I mean, I've been trying to get out of the Bay Area since I moved back. Um, I didn't really want to move back after college. I was kind of, like, thinking, like, Bay Area is kind of boring. Maybe eventually I would end up back up there. But that was exactly the reason I didn't want to be there and currently don't because I'm like, okay, one day, you know, my parents are going to get older. Maybe I'll have kids and I'll need to watch them. I got you. I don't I don't want to do, I mean, because we're going to get into that later. I don't want to do what made you say, fuck no. the Bay. I want to get into what made you say yes to oh, New York. Oh, the redirect, baby. I love that. I love uh, the, so I thought I was like from New York when I was a kid because so much like American Jewish pop culture takes place in New York. So I, I've always had like a really big affinity for New York. Um, and then, you know, as I thought about where I'd want to live, it was kind of either D.C. or New York. And, you know, New York, I haven't been before. So I want to try it out. And like the great thing about moving to a new city is like you're still kind of a tourist for the first like three to four years, at least. Yeah. So it means you still kind of get to discover things. Um, they're not new discoveries, but they're new to you. And that's, that's like a really cool way to live, I think. I found out I'm a Prospect Park guy. <laughs> I just really like Prospect Park. I'm not even sure that says that. <laughs> Prospect Park guy. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I think like, like, oh, like uh, certain people are like Golden Gate Park people. Mm. Some people like Merritt people. Some people Central Park people. Like I'm a, I'm a Golden, I'm a fucking Prospect Park guy. Hey, I haven't been yet. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, we can't wait to take you. But like what what you said though about like being Jewish and feeling like a connection to New York via the pop culture, I think that is a thing that like black pop culture has. I mean, one because like we don't like connect to Africa right. the same way, so it'll be like you, you know, Henry Louis Gates, your grandfather, could be like you're like you were from Ghana and I don't know, Kenyan and give me some other African. That, I never didn't know that one, and <laughs> like they just they can say that shit to you and. But it's like, you can't go, you know, but it's like Black Wall Street. It's like, I have a connection to Black Wall Street via my my grandma who passed away in 2018. She saw that shit as a little girl. I have a connection to Baton Rouge. So it's, and then we can get that via the music. And like, oh, I got to, oh shit, I watched Snowfall. That remind me of what my cousins was doing out there during this time. Mm -hmm. And that's like a, you know, I think that is a beautiful thing about, uh, you know, when, yeah, ethnicity has a certain swag and you can associate it with a certain region. Because I do hear, yeah. and I don't want to go too off on, on a tangent, but I have heard this thing where it's like, see, they try to separate us with this East Coast and West Coast stuff. And like, it's all black. It's all the same. It's like, no, there's a difference between Detroit and Chicago. You know? yeah. yeah. But I digress. Yeah. So like, that. I mean, this is, I, I've always felt kind of pulled to New York and I haven't spent enough time here. And I'm like, no, I want to spend more time. I kind of felt that. 
I did the first time I was walking through Prospect Park and like around it, I did feel like a sort of spiritual feeling. Like I would just love to like just be here and not feel like I gotta race around like I, I like I can go at my own pace mm-hmm. and just like live mm-hmm. and not like where this like especially you you go to a place like any place you go you I I mean I at least I feel like the need to like cram shit in. So even like in Hawaii, yeah. I'm like we need to cram in enough beach trips. When it's like, you know, it would be nice to go to the mountains. <laughs> right, right, yeah. No, totally. Um, so, yeah, that's what brought, that's what made me want to go to New York. Um, and, like, the food. <laughs> the food is, yo, just popping up the Uber Eats app, it's, like, heaven for me. Because, <laughs> like, in the Bay Area, like, you just kind of, or even L.A. for that matter, like, just the West Coast period, you kind of just get, like, you obviously have, like, your Mexican black owned ever since they killed george floyd no you know but you get your, your asian tacos you get your asian tacos and you like like that type of shit you know a little mediterranean here and there but there it's like you can get haitian jamaican uh brazil european french like it's all over the place with it and i fucking love that that's great what for you? We just have some New York sounds going in the background, and we're like, "All right, that's that's New York." <laughs> what for? You, so, what for you is like your? I hope I don't have to deal with this shit, but I realize it's on the table, just lifestyle wise. Because for me, it's really just like comedy and the fact and and the wine issue, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like small apartments and pests in the apartments seem both seem very inevitable right now we're staying in airbnb so we haven't actually like fully landed yet um and so yeah that's kind of something i'm a little concerned about um but i think that's stuff that like you could say about almost any place although the small thing that's that's kind of just like a new york or san francisco thing right and it's like the smaller your apartment is the closer you are to the fun shit Whereas, yeah. like, the bigger your apartment is, the more likely you are to be, like, kind of, like, more out in the, I don't want to say the burbs, because it's still, like, Brooklyn, but, you know, it's kind of, like, away from where it's all happening. It's definitely a hike to, to like, the fun outdoor concerts. Yeah, or... that's my, that's the thing I'm like, oh, sh- I hope that doesn't happen, but I also feel like it is, like, not that bad. <laughs> yeah, con- you know, considering where else you could be. Right. Yeah. Okay. My wine shit. I got to unpack that. Please. Cause I upped moving here. I upped food wise, but I definitely downgraded wine wise. So moving here. One, I already knew it would be harder to get like my Cal, my Cali cabs and my California, my dry Creek Zins and all that type of shit. And I'm not, and I'm gonna like try not to be the motherfucker that moves from New York to California, like, oh, pizza sucks here. It's like, have a taco, idiot. Like, that's why you're here. But at the same time, one, I'm definitely not drinking that fucking Riesling they grow upstate. I'm not, I just don't want that. Two, it's way too many natural wines. Yes, agreed. And that shit is not very enjoyable. It's, like, very trendy here. Like, all the natural wines have, like, these, like, really well-designed labels. To make you think they're going to be good. <laughs> yeah, like it looks so artsy and then it's just kind of like drinking like a fermented spice rack. It's, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I'm like okay with it in small amounts, but I'm like, eh, it's not it's not as good as the other stuff. 
Yeah, it's not as good as. Yeah, and and because like that that like the natural wines that motherfuckers are making now, like it's people been making that shit like really since the nineties. I mean, not that natural wines started started in the nineties, but there wasn't an emphasis on it until like as of like probably like what the last 12 15 years yeah whereas like this shit from dry creek and healdsburg and napa and oregon motherfuckers have been making that since like i mean there's really been a focus on it since i'll say the 70s right and it's people they've been making it way before that yeah prohibition prohibition so that's one thing that I'm, I'm like i need to find some good i i got like I got three bottles last night, and I was, I was I did not have a good time. And I and I need my meds. I need my medicine. I heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> we live together, <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, I just need to. I just need to get. A, I need a good wine supplier, and then I need comedy shit to go well, and I'll be fine. But those are those are like the things that I worry about. Um. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. I know this is going to be fun for you. Mm. What made you done with the Bay Area? And I'm aware you did not want to stay mm. when moving back from D.C. But what made you go? Because, like, you know, like, you live in there, and then, like, you save up your money, and then you just kind of like, yeah, I don't necessarily want to be here, but you're just living life. And what what was the moment for you that made you go? Kind of back to our conversation at the top of the pod, what made you, what was your like epiphany or moment where you're like enough? Uh, I don't have a specific moment. It was more like every time I would sign a lease, I would like die a little inside. It just say, say, <laughs> speak more to that. Okay. So I, I moved out here. My boyfriend was out here. I was living at home for the first year. Then I signed a three month lease in Berkeley. I'm like, okay, I'll just be here for the summer. Then we come back. Um, okay, I signed a year lease in San Leandro. Okay, I can still leave after that. Then I signed another lease in Alameda. Then I'm there for a year and a half. Then I signed another lease in Alameda at Studio Apartment. And it's like each time I did that, I was like, I feel like I'm getting further and further away from where I actually want to be going. But the timing of me getting... an apartment and getting a job it's usually like i would get another job and then that would enable me to get a new apartment because i'd be making more money and so like i just felt like i was like technically doing better in my career but like getting more entrenched in a place i didn't want to go be living yeah i mean i mean that is kind of like a a catch-22 of all right on one hand like i'm not doing what i want to do but at the same time there's a benefit to going back home and just stack of money and getting your bearings and getting your mind right and your money right. True. Like, I don't think I could have moved, like, based on the amount of debt and, like, type of job I, like, the amount I was paid, like, right out of college, it would have been really, really challenging for me to, like, live that first year outside of my parents' house. Um, So, like, there's a reason for all of it. But, yeah, it just made me, like, I was never, like, excited for, like, where I was moving to. Maybe the Oakland apartment, I was more excited, but then COVID hit. So none of the good shit that was near our old apartment. Yeah, like, we were, <laughs> we were like, nearby it, and only we were able to enjoy it for, like, a week. Yeah, it was pathetic. God, we moved in, like, a week before COVID. That's, I know. that's some bullshit. I ser- and our rent special was, like, not even near what it should have been. <laughs> so for me, 
I will say I'm, what it was, what I said earlier, like thinking like, all right, I'm 30 years old. What do I want to be doing at 35 and 40 and all that? But then it was also just kind of like, God, this is our city. <laughs> like, this is it. <laughs> I'm laughing so hard because me and Lyle will be driving around Oakland and he would just like look somewhere in downtown Oakland and he would just be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that, yeah. Well, downtown Oakland especially. Yeah. Because downtown Oakland is this thing of, it's it's nothing really. There's nothing. There are whole blocks with not a single storefront. Just a side of a building. And that's like really, really fucking sad and concerning. And, all. and this is pre-COVID that shit was happening. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the pandemic. No, like it was, it's always been where, you know, like you don't really have like if because i even like a mall like i would think about that i'm like well niggas would fuck up a mall in oakland you know somebody would get killed at that mall in oakland uh and they have east not oh no i'm ta- I'm saying i'm not downtown. talking that little ghetto ass yeah i'm talking like that like if yeah. they put in like a westfield by uh the, the civics not the san francisco civic city center, center. Yeah. but city center yeah, yeah but they put in a westfield mall there or where where, where the fuck the the sears used to be Oh my God! I don't want to see that. Bodies. Yes, yes, and it's like it's shit like that where it's like, no, I want to be like in a real city where I feel like I can go out and and like just do. Oh, some of these, you know, like I when Kevin Durant came to the Brooklyn Nets, it was the year he was like injured from the uh, Toronto game with Golden State. But they asked him about living in Brooklyn, and Kevin Durant was like, you know, like it's real cool. You know, like if I. You know, I see somebody, you know, uh, just hit them up. Be like, hey, what's up? Hey, let's go grab a drink around the corner. Like, you can just do stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there was like a part of me that was like, maybe I'd be happier in San Francisco. But then I go to San Francisco and it's like gloomy as fuck, like freezing. And you're paying like airport prices and it's to like, like do shit. Yeah. It's just like, it's not really fun. I'll, I'll say like, okay, here's the thing what the Bay area for me is there's just like a certain way that niggas think out there that I'm like, I need to get away from this shit. Mm. There's a certain kind of like always stuck in the Bay mentality Mm -hmm. that I really just don't like fucking with. Like, uh, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Like we're getting ready to move. And then not Edgar who mixed, who is a listener and who makes couples therapy. Shout out Edgar Drakfruit. I'm talking different Edgar. So, uh, big motherfucker. And Edgar hits me up. I'm like, yeah, moving to New York, having a housewarming party. Nigga, why don't you come through? And he's like, damn, you using your Jewish girlfriend like an Amex card. And I was like, excuse me, why? Because, and I'm like, uh, I wouldn't have been able to keep her or get her if I didn't step up my money. I wouldn't be able to, like, if I was still where the fuck I was at in 2014, you think I would be able to keep her? No. So. Absolutely not. So there's this sort of thing of in barrier culture, AOB, all on the bitch. It's like, yeah, you know, nigga, I got this white girl, you know, I'm using her daddy's credit card, nigga. I'm using her daddy's car, nigga. I'm using her car, nigga. Yeah, I'm living off this white bitch, nigga. That's my bank, nigga. That's my bank, nigga. And. 
I I actually dated this one chick, and she told me that um she knew that this guy that she was fucking was fucking with this other girl, and he says something like, "Oh yeah, I saw her," and he said, "Yo, that's my bank right there. Don't fuck with her." Oh my god, <laughs> that's so disgusting. And I'm not saying niggas don't do shit like that. Every like that, like men live off women and give them dick and take their money everywhere. Like that's normal. And, but I'm saying there's this sort of thing where, okay, anything a nigga does, you be like, oh, so what? Your chick did that for you? Which is very prevalent in the Bay Area today. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you like kind of get it from all sides in the Bay Area. Because on the one side, it's the techies that you don't want to be around. And on the other side, it's people like that, man. Which are just, you don't want to be around either. Yeah, it's like, it, it, yeah, okay, yeah. Then with the techies, I mean, I know I... I talk about I I have talked about my act a lot and on here. So like I don't want to I don't want to be the dead horse, but in short, I just feel like the bay is a place that's not really designed for black people to have fun. I feel it's not designed for people that just want to kind of have regular adult fun. It's it's like like okay, here's my issue. It's like I remember we did when you was at a uh, hint there's like a kind of what was it? We went to this. It was like mini go- miniature golf and whatever. And like miniature golf is fine, but it's like it, everything is kind of like it's like instructions on how adults can socialize. Yes, it's like social time fun camp. Yeah, yeah. So it's like okay, yeah, we did this one thing. It was like mini golf and this food trucks and like that. That's fine enough. But it was very like okay, now we can split you guys all into teams. And it's like niggas can't just drink and eat Lyle, and go where they it's want. Your turn. Lyle, it's your turn. Pay attention, Lyle. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That shit. And then there was another thing where at, at that same job where it was um it was one uh the first holiday party which wasn't terrible but it was like it, it was not great. And it was like we're doing a margarita making class. So everybody now salt your rims and it's like, what, like I got to fucking work. And then the last one which was just god awful. Oh, it was ramen making. That wasn't even the last one live. <laughs> was the last one I went to. Last one you went to. Go ahead. Explain what. Explain the people. So basically, they had motherfuckers like in teams and just beating and just making ramen from scratch. And if you've ever seen Binging with Babish, great YouTube series about making foods from scratch. But it, I don't think regular people should just be making noodles from scratch. Anyways, it was terrible. The HR lady Nora, who's a pain in the ass, was just yelling at uh, all of us like, "No, you need to, you need to go here." She fucking sucks. <laughs> But I hold. But my my point is, my whole my point is that basically everything is like via the techie influence is is very like pre. It's like adult preschool. Yes. Can I explain what we was last holiday party? Go ahead. Okay, I skipped it on purpose, but basically it was virtual, and Nora decided that. You know what? Last year we had so much fun making ramen together. Now what we'll do is we'll get a guy to virtually teach us how to make a sandwich. So she gave us like a grocery shopping list. She was like, don't worry, you can expense it. And it was like the most white person sandwich you could have imagined. So it's like crusty bread, get some brie cheese, get some arugula, get some tapenade, get some prosciutto. And we're going to all make our spread together. And then basically this guy taught them how to make a sandwich and that was like she like what 
What? I didn't show up until way later when they were already drunk. And then I got peer pressured into taking a shot of hot sauce. But that was for, you know, that's chalk that up to the game. So an evening like that, I'm like, on one hand, it's like, well, Lyle, you act like you work at a fucking tech. Like Lyle works at a Fortune 500 company. Ah, I get it. I can hear you guys making your jokes as you listen. Or maybe that's me. I don't know. (laughs) But what it is, is that type of culture, it seeps into like every, it seeps into the breweries and the Mm -hmm. bars. And it's like, like one thing, because certain shit just brings the swag down, especially if you just trying to like get bitches or turn up and have a good time. Like when I go to a bar and I see some board games there, I know that's not a bar for me. Mm -hmm. And also like talking shop is like how they interact with each other. So, like, you can't go out, even if it's not people from your own company. You go out, you meet people. They're just, well, the problem they're trying to solve is this. And when the, when they have crypto, it's going to be totally opening up. And it's like, who gives a fuck? Like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. In D.C., the thing was talking too much about politics. And I honestly prefer that to how much people talked about tech in San Francisco. I don't give a fuck. I'm in the tech industry. I, I literally don't give a fuck. <laughs> why is it i was an i'm in comedy and i feel like i'm like the least like comedian nigga in this like i don't really pay attention to co- like okay to do the runs just for laughs he's just outed it's like i don't know using his power to try to like fuck female comics for just for laughs and apparently he said nigga a few times on record or whatever rude <laughs> <laughs> But like the truth is, like I'm like okay, like this is, this is what we talking about. I'm like, okay, and yeah, it's like you don't expect that people like that are out there. Like, what's the, what's the shock? Yeah, and, and like I don't know. It's just like I, it's just you don't have a regular life. Like it's just I don't know. It's like comics just like talk about how their shitty love life and their gigs. Like I'm, I'm beyond that. But that's besides the point. But yeah, it's like the Bay Area has just become this place where, and then even like the art, like it's more like the artist, like the techies are becoming the artists in the local art scene with comedy and music and so on. And I think that's really bad when all the artists are from one walk of life. I totally agree. Like they, they come in with, cause okay, Lila said this in a really great way. I'm going to just cue it up for you. And I think you can run with it, but basically like, Talking about, like, techies who do comedy as, like, you're basically doing this so you have an interesting story when you come in on Monday. That's what, especially based on the material that they do. Yes. I'm going to have to say that that's what that is. Because you can say anything about what your week, oh, yeah, I did a show. Oh, you did a show. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, my gosh. Maybe you could perform for the entire company of Salesforce. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, really? This person should be doing that? <laughs> Instead of going to a motherfucker that actually needs the money. Yeah, or has the talent. <laughs> that too, that too. Or deserves the money, let me say that. Like, yes. Yeah, and it's like, it's like you don't have shit to say. You're just making up stories about Bill Clinton that never happened. Like, you have nothing going on for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's... And I realized, like, okay, tech is, like, our future, and it's just natural that more and more that that's going to be the world. And I don't want to just make this a, a fuck techie portion, but it's uh, everything here is the same. Like, you know what? The Bay, the Bay feels like an assembly line now. Mm, yep. 
where it's like, okay, we've these are the the workers that get paid this much, but are still out every day, and then we have the people that are going to be crammed into an apartment with a bunch of people, and they're going to be the people that work at the dispensaries and the restaurants and all I these mean, other they're things. They're the ones serving the other people. Correct. Yeah. And then it's like, and then there's that, and then there's like the locals that are just trying to like make make our way and get by and still figure out our place in it and through all the madness and it's i'm gonna be honest like if you black in the bay like i really it really feels like you are tolerated but not celebrated and i don't want to be in a place like that i've never really had a fondness with because it's not like i ever really loved oakland or the bay area it it's just some shit i made work but i never liked it I 100% back that. And when I was at my previous tech company, like, and, like, people were talking about, how do we get more diversity? I'm like, why is this even, like, a question? There's, like, black people all over the place. What are you talking about? Um, But, like, one person's first, like, reaction was, we should have a program where we help, we help people who are from high school and, like, or community college learn what it's like to work in a tech company like they said we are going to help you and that really pissed me off or rubbed me the wrong way because we as tech workers and i freely admit this we make way more money than we should like if you think about Mm. what we do on a day-to-day basis like we have the flexibility to take a nap in the middle of a fucking day like you're working in a factory. You don't get to just go take a nap. You know, you're washing dishes. You don't get to take a nap. You get to have your kids around you. And the idea that it's like we are helping them learn what it's like, it's such bullshit because I know I'm paid too much for like just like the value I bring. But it's like, I don't know, capitalism. I don't, I don't fucking know. But like it's like that kind of thing. And so like what you should do is hire people and pay them a fuck ton of stupid money the same way you were hired and paid a stupid amount of money. You know what I'm saying? You know, I liken this to, and I, I can only speak from a social standpoint because I don't work in that world. Mm-hmm. But I, a point came where like, it was like these dickhead techie comedians. And then I would just go out and I would like, I mean, you know how I am. Like if somebody's had a few too many drinks and they're being a little obnoxious and maybe I've had a few drinks, I'm like, hey, nigga, who the fuck you think you, you know, how I get. Mm-hmm. And I had to like put it in perspective and I'm like, okay, Lyle, you know how like in the NFL and it was the NBA before, like they started educating them, but like how in the NFL, I like these kids are like come straight out the hood. I never been nowhere but college and you give them like $5 million and then that's why you have shit like Aaron Hernandez and motherfuckers killing people and getting all types of trouble with the football players because they've never really been educated. And you just give them a, educated socially, among other ways, and you just give, give them a big bag of money. I'm like, yo, these techie kids ain't that much different. Mm. They're like fresh out of college or a few years removed from their post uh, college jobs. And like they don't have the aggression. They don't have the CTE like they they're somewhat more worldly and civilized or whatever the words you want to use are excuse me but ultimately it's like okay there's some kids that just got a big bag of money and don't really know tipping don't really know etiquette 
They're shitty people. Shitty people. But they've also never like really been taught. So I'm like, oh, I kind of need to look at them no different than I would look at like a nigga like Anthony Brown. <laughs> like, like no different than I would look at like a crazy ass football player. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes total sense. And like, I think with the engineers, it's even worse because you're straight out of college and you start making a bunch of money. I at least had a couple years where I wasn't making a ton of money. So I had to like, you know, be socialized. Right. <laughs> you know, have roommates, mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. But yeah, it's just like, I can't really take the lack of, uh, just like the lack of social skills. It's just like, it's so grating, like being around it. It's like, it like, it makes you mad. Like, it makes me mad. I'm like around this guy who's like, yeah, I just have, I was in Y Combinator and my company got funded by this, that, and the other. Then I sold it. Um, and like, we were at a, okay, let's tell a story. Yeah. We were out at a company dinner, my current job. It was the first time people had been around together since like COVID. So it was a big deal. We went to this restaurant, ordered a fuck ton of food and drinks and everything for like, I don't know, 20 people. And the girl who's in charge of like putting the card down and tipping, she, I heard her loudly complain that she had asked for a drink and hadn't gotten it yet. In my head, I'm like, okay, you know what? I know she's not going to tip well and the staff deserve to be tipped well. They did like we we ordered so much fucking food. I know she's gonna kind of skimp out on that. So I went across the street. I got some cash and I just like slipped it underneath my glass, like just like very quietly. Then like a coworker of mine was like, "Why is there cash underneath your plate?" I'm like, "Oh, I just don't think this like this girl's gonna tip well. I just want to make sure they're taken care of." <coughs> and they're like, "You know, what? that's a good idea." Then like the guy who's sitting at the table, they're like, the guy who sold his company. He's like a fucking millionaire. Like. He's like, well, I feel that should be the company's responsibility. I'm like, I, I, I'm just trying to, I'm just being a, a solid person, not even a good person. I'm being a solid person by putting. You're just, you're just contributing to society. I'm contributing to society, and he and I was like, well, it's kind of well known, like techies don't really tip. And he was like, what? I don't, I don't. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. He's like trying to get the data on it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, if you're trying to get the data on it, then I know when you get a check, you do like a cost benefit analysis of how good the service was versus like, you know, how bad it was. And That's how they think. They need data to process any little thing of information. And they need, then they tip whatever, 14 and a half percent because it was subpar service. And like, he didn't say all that, but I felt it. Yeah. You know? And like, so yeah, it's people like that that it's like you're truly challenging to be around them, and like uh, you're you have good people sprinkled in there. Like you have people who come from the arts in tech too. Sure, but there is an overwhelming amount of people with too much money and too little social skills. I heard one story, and this is via techie that I'm assuming was meeting up with a techie. They invited them over for dinner. Mm-hmm. They was like, yeah, come over for dinner. Da-da. And they sent them a Venmo request for, like, groceries. Oh, my God. That's so tacky. That's so fucking tacky. That's who these people are. Yeah. That's who these fucking idiots are. If you're going to invite people over, you should make them feel comfortable and, like, warm. You know? No, I totally agree. I mean, like, we, I don't don't even want to unpack, like, how how stupid it is. But just, just, like... These these are, like, the people that are around. And I'm just, like, I don't really want to... 
they're like, this is my budget for the day. I exceeded my budget for the day. Therefore, you will supplement it. Like, <laughs> Well, another other thing is with being black, and I understand if you don't want to say anything to this, but feel free if you want, mm. is when you're black and you're in an area where there's not a lot of black people, you can kind of become like a weird, just like how I talk about how people that are single for too long, especially the older they get, then they're not used to compromise and, you know, negotiation and really seeing where a motherfucker's coming from. They end up becoming weirdos as they get older. Black people, and I'm sure other people as well, but black people can kind of become weird like the less time you're around black people or just regular black people. Not black people that are like super awkward or African or, or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, and then you end up going to a place like New York, or you end up going to a place like Atlanta, like, where the black folk at? Like, uh, nigga. Everywhere, like, calm down. Everywhere. <laughs> Chill out. No, and I'm saying I would know niggas like this where, like, they would be very, like, like, you remember when the, you, you met him briefly? It was like, yo, what's going on, my nigga? Yo, Lyle, you were, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Yeah, and he would be super, because he, he just like, dude, like, my world, man, is just so fucking white because of my girlfriend, my nigga. And, like, dude, man, this is, like, bullshit, man. Like, I want to be around some, like, real nigga shit. And I'm like, dude, you got to calm down. But it's like, in the Bay, like, you have more and more, and not like there's no black people around, but it's like, unless you, like, went to high school with niggas or they, your fucking cousins, your relatives, you can kind of find yourself in a real whitewashed world. Mm-hmm. No, that's totally true. And like, just talking to like people I work with who are black and like, they like the ones that are successful in tech, they have a very clear boundary between their work life and their home life, which in tech is like not a thing. Like in tech, people don't understand boundaries because they're like, no, we're a team. We're a family till we have to let you off. You know, like right, right, bring right. Your whole self to work, all that, and like I definitely, especially after COVID, believe that a boundary is a beautiful thing. Uh, way, very beautiful thing. Yeah. But to to how that all uh, plays into my decision to be like, you know what, fuck the bay, I'm I'm done with this shit. Is it's the the way that tech culture has really just kind of creeped into everything. And then even like the type of black transplants we're getting aren't like the ones from before. It's because before the black transplants would be black niggas from LA, like myself and shit like that. And then now it's like, okay, this is black person from the Midwest, this black person from Southern California that was never really around a lot of black people to begin with. And they got a lot of issues around their blackness. And it, I don't want to be around people that have issues about their own identity. It's like you're who you the fuck you are. You should be. I feel you should be more in touch with that at a certain age. Yeah. Like the soul searching should have been took place. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah, that that's my reason for why I'm like I am done with this place. Is the the nightlife is just not for black folk. It's just not for black people. <laughs> And then without, and then to to like to end uh, my debate doesn't care about black people part. Because <laughs> okay, Ariel, can you unpack this for me? Mm. Why is it that when I see black trans lives matter, why is it that bothers me when I obviously do agree that black trans lives do matter? 
because they skipped a step. Yes. Okay, so Oakland, like, during, like, the marches last summer, one of the things that happened was Oakland painted um, black trans, it was, like, all black trans lives matter or something like that. It's, like, adding a lot of words to a sentence. Um, And they painted it, like, around this whole street, kind of like how it was in D.C., where it, like, takes up the whole block. And I think the issue that Lyle has with that is that there is nothing in the Bay Area that's for black men, or at least very little it's for black men and supported at the highest level. Like there's obviously grassroots things, like you've got a barber you like, you've got like the occasional thing, but from the top down, it's just like, we only want to feel sorry for black people. Yes. And maybe that's what bothered me so much when I, because when I moved to the Bay in 04, I did feel like there's a very condescending air racially, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's for another time. But yeah, it's, it's this fucking like, it's like, oh, we look at niggas like a victim, but like, well, you too much of a victim for us to like really hear you. Mm. Cause you too trauma, you too shell shocked. And you, you haven't been like, almost say like, they look at us like, one of them little niggas in Blood Diamond. It was like a little <laughs> oh, refugee God. soldier. Yeah. And it's like, no, but you've been killing for diamonds for so long. You're not ready yet. <laughs> Go to school. We need to like take our time with you. That's how I look at this shit. Oh my God. So in turn, I'm just Yeah, I'm fucking done with it. And it's like I'd rather you, you know. I, I ra- not like I rather you call me a nigga than whatever, but I mean, just like I rather like no, like if it's really some racial shit, then let's have it be some racial shit, and we can argue and we can fight. But I don't like all this passive aggressive shit, and I just don't like I don't like how the Bay Area sucks its own dick, <laughs> but somehow manages manages to fuck you in the ass at the same time. That's a perfect. It's very crass, which isn't really what I do. I'm also still kind of jet lag and we're settling in and we feel like shit because of the heat. So that's why we're using a lot more profanity than we do most episodes. <laughs> that's fair to say. We're, we're a bit more rough around the edges this episode, Ari. We're a little bit more. Yeah. But so, yeah, that's why I'm done with that fucking place. Thank you for tuning in to the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Barons, and this has been our show. And I hope you have a great week. More episodes coming soon. Thank you.